Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey and I'm so excited that you are joining me for season two of this podcast where we talk all things living a prophetic life. We have so many great conversations coming up, all purpose to equip and inspire you and to get you thinking about how God might be speaking to you and through you today. Yes, you. So let's go. Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast Season 2. To kick off this brand new season, we are going on an 11 episode journey where we answer one of life's most defining questions. What is worship to you? Is it slow songs during a church service? Is it only for people who can sing? What if worship was more than a song and more than an experience within the four walls of the church? What if there was more to worship even than what we have experienced so far? What if we could unlock the fullness of worship and see it transform our everyday lives? These are the questions that Stacy tackles in her first book, Worship Is. These are also the questions we will tackle in this collection. And available to you today, as valued listeners of the Prophetic Collective, is a very special offer. Head to stacyhillier.com and purchase your very own copy of Worship Is using the code Prophetic Collective, all in caps, and you will get free express postage. Also available to podcast listeners is a free workbook that you can complete as you join in this Worship Is collection. Designed to be used with both the book and podcast collection, you can download your free copy at stacyhillier.com under the free resources tab. Hey friends and welcome back. We are tackling another of the ways that I have captioned Worship Is in today's episode as we continue in our Worship Is collection. And my caption today is worship is stillness. Did you see that one coming? Well, with my personality, I didn't see it coming, but it has been such a rich treasure for me. Before I get into the content today, I want to to thank, to take a moment to thank all the people who've reached out on social media, been very specific with what has blessed you, helped you in the episodes so far. The people who've messaged me and emailed me, every person who's downloaded the workbook. I just get so excited when I hear how God is working in people's lives as they come on the journey of captioning what worship is to them. It's so good and it just blesses me so, so much. So I appreciate it when you do rate and review the podcast, either on any of your streaming apps. And when you do reach out and let me know what you're getting out of this, it's a huge, huge, huge blessing to me. And today's topic is a huge one. Worship is stillness. And this is a very countercultural answer, isn't it? Now in the workbook, I actually start with a quote from the chapter that says the Bible is very clear that to be still is not to stagnate, but it is an essential component of our spiritual formation and growth. Have you noticed that the prevailing culture of the world we live in is go, 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 go. Very focused on the externals, very focused on what we can produce and what we can consume not very focused on the hidden things of our life, the deep things in our life. We consider it a status symbol when we can say to somebody that we are busy, 
We've even developed a duology that people are important when their life is full and when they are busy. And this has even crept into church and Christianity. And so being still is actually very countercultural. It takes a great sense of security in Christ to cease doing, to be, and to be still. And this is a very important topic for prophetic people. We've said it every single week in this collection so far. You cannot live a prophetic life without living a worshiping life. This caption, worship is stillness, is a very important component. Why for prophetic people? Because we cannot speak for God until we have first heard from God. We cannot speak for God until we have first heard from God. And whilst there may be times we hear God in the chaos, there might be times we hear God speaking to us on the run. He's gracious in that. The downloads and the depths of revelation that we receive when we are still and we can go below just scratching the surface of what God is revealing to us, the depths you can find in your prophetic ministry, the prophetic guidance even in your own life is just incredible. This is a chance for us to focus on being a human being rather than being a human doing. And that is huge in our culture today. Now, it's really important we understand that being still doesn't mean nothing is happening. That's why I write the Bible is very clear that to be still is not to stagnate. We think in our world that if you're still, something's wrong. The only thing that can make us be still is being sick. But actually, there's a lot happening in the hidden places underneath the surface, the areas that God really cares about. The areas where we're transformed to be more like Christ, there is a lot happening in the unseen realm when we are still. Now, as prophetic people and as worshippers, or they're both the same thing, they're synonymous really, we should be more about the unseen realm than we are the seen realm. That's the goal, that the unseen realm would become the greater realm for us, that we become so consumed and burdened with the fact that that greater unseen realm would eventually engulf and become or take over the seen realm, that kingdom would come to earth, that heaven would come to earth. And so we're not stagnating when we're still. So all the busy doers out there like me, the people who love to get going and achieve things, this is for you too. So please don't tap out or tune out. Okay, I'm going to read to you from scripture because scripture is very important and it has much to say about being still. I'm going to read to you all of Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is titled, God is our fortress. It's written to the choir master. In other words, the choir was meant to sing it. It was written by the sons of Korah and we've talked about them in a previous episode. And this was a song. Let's read together. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then notice this little italicized word to the right, Selah. Verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob 
is our fortress, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. And our key scripture there is verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I love what author Mark Buchanan says reflecting on that scripture. He says, some knowing is never pursued, only received. And for that, you need to be still. I love that. James W. Gohl says this of stillness. We cannot fully realize true intimacy with God until we learn how to come before him in quietness of spirit, mind and body. An atmosphere of stillness is absolutely essential for us if we wish to experience deep, loving communion with our Lord. And James Gohl is one of the foremost, most incredible writers on living the life of a seer prophet or the realm of the prophetic. And so I love that he is also talking about the depths we find in the prophetic when we learn to be still. Now, the word still in this little verse here is the Hebrew word meaning release or let go. Oh, I love that. And the word picture painted for us in the context of the whole song that I just read to you is that God has the power to command the nations and the forces of chaos to stop their raging and to recognize him as God, that his created order even obeys his command to stop. Now, the personal application for us as prophetic people is that we are to do the same to release and let go of our chaotic and manic schedules and lives, to let go of the inner raging, the external forces that we cannot control, and simply take time to recognize that he is God and we are not. Now, the inference in this psalm is that if we don't stop and make ourselves still, we will fail to acknowledge all the ways that God is moving, ruling, and reigning in our lives. And therefore, our worship lives are actually diminished. One of my favorite practices on my Sabbath, which we'll talk about in a moment, is I love to stop and list out all the ways I've seen God working in my life in the previous seven days. Turn it into a gratitude practice. I actually, it's a painting and artwork exercise that I do where I take one shape, I choose three colors, I draw and then paint the shape multiple times and then beside each of the the watercolor shapes that I paint I write where I've seen God in my week it's a way for me to stop to be still to create with God it's a practice that I've developed that has become worship for me and I actually learned that of a Cageless Birds um, visual arts course you can look it up on YouTube it's a gratitude practice and it's brilliant you'll love it so when it comes to worship the basic one of the basic patterns we observe in the Bible is that God reveals and his people respond. That's simply what worship is. God reveals, his people respond. And having a fresh revelation corresponds to fresh worship. 
One commentator defined worship this way. It's the interrelation between divine action and human response. And so living our lives in response to God is worship. And so what I'm doing in that practice on Sabbath where I'm still and I'm painting and reflecting on all the ways that God's been faithful and good to me, where I've felt him, seen him, heard him, smelt him throughout that week, is I'm training myself to respond to his revelation. And living our lives in response to God is worship. We've been wired and created to respond freely and with thanksgiving and appreciation when we see something we like or that impresses us. And this kind of worship, it's spontaneous, and we've talked about it in a previous episode, is called halal. And I want to tell you about a particular season in my own home where halal prevails. Okay, insert eye roll here. So there is a momentous annual occurrence in my house, which is known as March Madness. And for those of you who don't know what March Madness is, it's the NCAA basketball tournament where all the colleges play one another. NCAA stands for National Collegiate Athletic Association. And it's basically like the level below NBA in basketball. And many would argue, hardcore, purest basketballers would argue that NCAA is better quality than the NBA because it has some different rules, uh, more purest rules, more traditional rules, and requires maybe a bit more skill rather than show ponying. Jeez, can you tell that I met my husband playing basketball and that I've got three teenage boys who are obsessed with basketball? I'm impressed right there with how I explained that. But the NCAA is a great time of importance in our house. It's also a time of great spontaneous response as the star recruit does his thing. Now, a few years ago, this was Zion Williamson. He is the man. He was the man in NCAA. And I knew whenever that boy had the ball in his hands, because I would hear coming from my lounge room, cheers like, oh, what's he going to do? He's that good. And that was their natural response to his greatness. And this is just a very simple example of how we're, res- we're wired to respond. And when we truly catch a glimpse, not of who Zion is, but who God is, we will not be able to hold back our response unless we intentionally restrain ourselves. Now, who knows that throughout life, we learn to be conscious of what other people think of us. And this is where we restrain ourselves in our inbuilt natural response to God. So often I see men and women in church life who don't necessarily respond in what is consistent with their personality's response to other acts of greatness. And this is because somehow we've believed the subtle lies of the enemy that we can't respond that way and still be a strong man or a strong woman. We can't cry. We can't raise our hands. We can't clap. We can't jump. Can I challenge you on that? We are now fitting more into the cultural stereotypes than in biblical models. Biblical models, the men's men, like King David, the men's men and the women's women cried in God's presence, raised their hands, danced half naked. I'm not saying you should do that in church. Maybe at home you can. Uh, We have got to make sure that our worship expressions line more with scriptures culture, kingdom culture than the world's culture. Now, the problem is revelation is not often caught on the run. Ooh, revelation is not often caught on the run. The deepest revelations of the presence and the greatness of God in our lives come in the stillness. Now, none of my family, except for my daughter Eden and I, walk past the TV while March Madness is on. Those men 
are parked in that TV room and it's a full sensory experience when I do walk past, smells and all, and they are not moving. Well, this is what it takes to respond to greatness, to see greatness and to respond. They won't get the full experience if they just walk past the TV. They'll miss moments. They'll miss aspects of the game. So they park themselves in there and they watch intently. And we're meant to do the same in worship. We're meant to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We're meant to list out the ways God's been faithful to us in the past, even that practice that I do in the past week, and then just worship spontaneously, respond to his greatness. Could be prayer. It could be a song. It could be painting like I do, whatever it is for you. And throughout the Psalms, you may have noticed that little italicized word that I mentioned three times in Psalm 46. Selah. Now, throughout the 150 Psalms, it actually appears 71 times, and it also appears three times in the prophecy of Habakkuk. And Selah is a musical term, literally means pause in silence. And some scholars write that this was a time where the worshipper would fall prostrate on the ground in response to God. And we've talked about that in the definitions earlier. And the dictionary definition of stillness is the absence of movement or sound. In other words, Selah. And what's important to note is that times of stillness and silence to reflect on God's character were an important and normal part of the Israelites' worship life. So you would hear there, there was a paragraph of the song, like a verse of the song, and then they would pause in silence to reflect on what they just sang And apply it to their own life. And then they'd sing another verse and pause and reflect on it in their own life. We usually have a little musical turnaround in church. Use that time when you're like, wow, this is awkward. When do we sing again? To reflect on what you've just sung about God and apply it to your own life. You see, in the same way, it should be a normal, important part of our worship lives today. The same as it was for the Israelites, personally and corporately. Psalm 37.7 says, be still before the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Don't you think patience is a lost virtue in today's society when we want everything instantly? But we're commanded, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Some of my deepest prophetic revelations have come when I've sat and waited. And I mean waited for an awkward amount of time. Because when we wait, when we're prepared to wait and lay aside everything else, Everything else that's urgent and important, lay it aside and wait. There are levels we go to in revelation of God that cannot be discovered any other way. The Hebrew word used here is the word damam, which means stand still and to keep quiet. So again, we see this principle of stillness as a part of our worship lives. Now, I have to admit, my personality is not naturally wired to be still. I love to be moving and doing but because of I have recognized this biblical commandment and uh, have discovered rich treasures in it, it's one of my favorite things to do now. Now, if you had asked me 10 minutes ago, do you love being still? I would have said no, but that's because I misunderstood what stillness was. Stillness is not to stagnate. And so this has become one of my most treasured and valuable times with God. I've actually discovered in my journey with Jesus that the most rewarding and valuable treasures are usually the hardest to discover because we have an enemy that does not want us to grow in spiritual stature and weight. 
I released a prophetic vision or word on my Instagram in the past couple of weeks that you should check out because I believe that God revealed to me that Satan is literally breathing on. He's the inspiraro behind much of the distraction that we're taking in today. He is intentionally trying to distract us. And so being still, the hardest obstacle you will face is distraction. And Satan is breathing on that distraction. But at the same time, God is breathing on your stillness. So hang in there. So about uh, several years ago now, I was approaching a round of, I guess, physical and spiritual exhaustion. And it was a huge wake-up call for me. Actually, my body wasn't functioning. My mind wasn't functioning. Uh, It was pretty scary. And the Holy Spirit said to me two little words, study Sabbath. I was like, really? Not go to a doctor, get a pill? Study Sabbath. And ever since that point, a weekly biblical Sabbath that incorporates stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating has become my lifeline and my greatest joy. And later in the year, we're actually going to do a collection on Sabbath, which I'm super looking forward to. So I won't stay long on this today. I'm still learning about Sabbath and and continuing to grow in this spiritual practice. I mean, the Israelites took like 400 years figuring it out. So I figure I'm doing okay. But stillness and silence are a huge part of this sacred sanctuary in space and time that God calls Sabbath. And there are facets to the diamond-like nature of our triune God, particularly in the realm of the supernatural and prophetic experience, that I could not have discovered any other way than by stopping to know that he is God and I am not. (laughs) There are two sisters in the Bible who represent the perfect imagery of this tension that we sometimes wrestle with when it comes to stillness. And it's found in Luke 10. It's a little passage or account that I revisit regularly. It's in verses 38 to 42, and we're given a bird's eye view into the sibling inner sanctum of Mary and Martha. And to help us paint a good picture in our mind of what this sister's little tiff looked like that Jesus ended up in the middle of, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Dr. Brian Simmons translates these little verses this way. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. I love this passage. I'm getting slain all over again just reading it. Isn't God's word powerful? Can you feel something even shift on this podcast when we open scripture? So let's take a moment to look at the posture of Mary. Mary was found sitting at Jesus' feet. 
Now, this is super radical for the culture of the time, because when you sat at the feet of a rabbi, it indicated that you were one of his students or his disciples. And so Mary had assumed the posture of Jesus' disciple. And this was very countercultural for a woman to do so and for Jesus to accept that. Oh, I love Jesus even more when I reflect on that. And we need to notice this because as disciples of Jesus, we too must sit in stillness to learn and to mature into the fullness of Christ. I'm going to make a radical statement here for prophetic people. Get ready. We can't fully mature on the run. That's going to change some people's ministry today. We can't fully mature on the run. Stop for a moment. Are you listening to this podcast on the run? No judgment, just truth. (laughs) We can't fully mature on the run. I actually want you to pause now and make your body still and say this out loud. I am. I'm opening my hands right now. I can't fully mature on the run. Let that truth settle on me, God. It's scriptural. I can't fully mature on the run. I recognize and acknowledge right now that my busyness, my striving, my sweating is working against my maturity. I can't fully mature on the run. I hope you receive something in those few moments. Let's look at Martha and how she approached the presence of Jesus in her home. Now, I don't want to throw shade at Martha because we've all been Martha, right? And she was serving and loving and worshipping the Lord in her own way. We read in Luke 10.40, this time ESV, Martha was distracted with much serving. And the word serving is the Greek word diakonia, or where we get the word deacon which actually means ministry. And ministry is not just for those who work in the church. You will have heard me say before, if you're a full-time Christian, you're in full-time ministry, wherever God has placed you. So Martha was busy with ministry. I can't tell you how many times I've been so busy doing things for Jesus that I missed the invitation to just be with Jesus. I used to oversee all the events and operations team of our church life. And I would literally, the weeks I wasn't worship leading, stand in worship and be looking at the lights and the sound and all the rest of it like it was a task. So even in the atmosphere of glorious, magnificent worship, I was doing instead of being with Jesus. And I've had to learn how to rewire that. It's a good thing that we desire to serve and love the Lord. But in a world and culture that teaches us that our value comes because we produce, Prioritizing the unseen work of our inner world and sitting at Jesus' feet in stillness to absorb every, re- absorb every revelation he shares becomes difficult. It's also the path of delayed gratification in a world of instant fixes. But the more we make ourselves still, the easier it becomes. The more we pray with focus, the easier it becomes. The more we receive our revelations in stillness, the easier it becomes. And now your personality, like mine, you may find it more difficult than others, but I am telling you what Jesus told Mary and Martha. One thing is the most important. She had chosen to sit at Jesus' feet and she was undistracted and Jesus said he wouldn't take that privilege from her. Dallas Willard made this observation about stillness and silence. Silence is frightening because it strips us as nothing else does 
throwing us upon the stark realities of our life. When I first started Sabbath, it was brutal because in stillness, I had to face what was truly going on on the inside of me that I had stayed busy to avoid. But I came to learn that if I can stop trying to avoid and drown out my fears, then when I face things like, oh, I'm not enough for everyone or in anything, and when I face those fears and I let Jesus speak to them, something happens in my maturity and something happens in the messages that he trusts me with. When I first started, my confession was things like, I'm not enough for my kids. I'm not enough for my husband. I'm not enough for my team. I'm not enough for God. Ironically, I found in the stillness, I don't have to be enough because Jesus is more than enough for me and his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And I would never have discovered that if I'd stayed on the run, masking what was really going on on the inside of me. God has revealed so many things to me so lovingly. He's healed me of so many things that I tried to mask for decades. He did it in stillness, but I had to apply myself and I had to push through and trust in him. In a society of workaholics where busyness is worth and the prize, we've actually hardwired our bodies to be adverse to stillness. When we consistently overwork, we actually affect the neurochemistry of our brains that release hormones and chemicals to meet the daily challenges we face. So we become accustomed to living with and eventually dependent upon these chemical releases. And at its worst, this can result in clinical adrenal addiction. And I was faced with that several years ago. But the great news is this. You can reverse engineer this wiring in your brain and soon come to love your times of stillness in worship. How? Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at God. Or more simply, be still and know that he is God. So in the same way that there are things we cannot receive as a revelation about God without learning to be still, there are responses in our worship we cannot offer or express to God while we stay on the move. I love in Ephesians 6, we really major on the armor of God and the fact that we're in a spiritual war, and that's all important. But we need to focus today on the bit where Paul writes, once you've taken up the whole armor of God, stand firm. That's verse 14 doesn't say run firm, keep journeying firm. He says, be still, stand firm. One particular scholar reflecting on Psalm 46.10 writes that to be still means to desist from our war. Do you know that it's a bold statement of faith and confidence in the protection and sovereignty of God to make ourselves still amid the wars we face, the personal ones, the public ones. When we desist from war, and trust that he will be our justice and our defender, that is worship. Let's never confuse stillness with being static, stuck, or stagnant. Stillness in a world that never ceases is faith. It is an act of worship. Really, the question becomes, do we believe that we can trust God with our lives enough to cease and desist, be still and know that he is God. Worship is stillness. Now, if you have downloaded your workbook, and thank you to all those who have, if you haven't yet, you can still get it on the free resources tab, stacyhillier.com. What I've popped in there 
for reflections is things like be honest. How good are you? How good are you at being still? <laughs> and then we've given you space to journal about that. There's also ta- uh, a reflection question in here that you could reflect on right now. Have there been times in your life when you know you've been called to wait for God to move, but you rushed ahead? Can you think of any biblical examples of this? This is a great way to reflect on stillness in the word and why, why we need to be still. We're asking the question and giving you space to journal and answer. Do you relate more readily with Mary or Martha and why? And what might God be saying to you in this? I've also asked you to reflect on, do you ever feel that you're so busy serving God in ministry that you neglect times to just sit at his feet? Oh, I've been there. And so we've created space and time. Um, We've created the space. You can create the time to journal on these things in the workbook. And we're going to finish with a breath prayer today. We did a little one earlier, but a breath prayer is when you say something in your head on your in-breath and out. I do this uh, about seven minutes several times a day. Today, we're going to do it around stillness. So let's get comfortable. Maybe open your hands before God. And then you can repeat these things after me on your in-breath and your out-breath. I make myself still. You and you alone are God. I make myself still. You and you alone are God. I make myself still. You and you alone are God. I trust you with my life. You are God and I am not. I trust you with my life. You are God and I am not. I trust you with my life. You are God and I am not. So Father, I thank you for every listener today. I thank you that you are teaching me teaching your church, teaching your prophets and your worshippers what it is to be still. We open our hearts to you. We invite you, our vine dresser, to uncover anything in the soil of our hearts, weed it, pull the rocks out, make it ready to receive the, the seeds of your word so that we may bear much fruit for your kingdom. We do trust you. Help us to incorporate moments of stillness today and in the weeks to come. Our worship can involve stillness. We embrace it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. Make sure you do get that workbook. There's even some more practices on going deeper, and I know that you are going to love it. Next week, we're going to talk about worship is Numa, another of my captions. Make sure you do reach out on social media. Love hearing from you all. Hey, you're going to hear a bit of an ad next for a stillness practice that has changed my life. Make sure you go check it out. Love you all and see you all. Talk to you next week. Bye. Did you know that Stacy also has a guided prayer podcast? Contemplative prayer is a rich, deep and rewarding way to encounter Jesus and the scriptures. 
with instrumental scores written to empower your encounters with Jesus, these prayers are a chance to be still and to step out of the hustle of today's fast-paced world. Available wherever you get your podcasts by searching Guided Prayers with Stacey Hillier.